So, as you know, this past Friday night was our second of our three movie nights. We have a movie night the fourth Friday of every summer month. And essentially, for those of you who have never been, we got a big blow-up screen in the back. We got bounce houses, concession stand, the Kona ice uh, snow cone machine comes. We do popcorn, the whole deal. And um, what we do is, the Sunday following that movie night, we talk about that movie on, at church. And so, as you can see, we watched The Incredibles this past Friday night. And it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. I didn't realize, though, did you guys know that The Incredibles is one hour and 55 minutes? Wow. And so when you start that, well, those of you at the movie night are like, yeah, we know, uh-huh. Because when you start that thing at 9.30, that means you get done at about 11.30. And you're like, holy smokes, I didn't know kids' movies were this long. So, you know, just so you know, if you sit down to watch it, it's really, really long. But really incredible, right? And get it? No pun intended. Um, but we watched the movie The Incredibles. And so this week, I was ta- challenged with the task of talking about superheroes and Jesus, And I was trying to keep the corniness and the cheesiness down as much as I possibly could because it could really, really, dad jokes could abound here and it could be a lot of fun and really, really lame at the same time. So I'm going to fight against that. But I used to be obsessed with Batman. Did anyone else, else, when they were younger, they were like obsessed with some sort of superhero? Maybe it's the Marvel Universe or the DC whatever. I don't even understand all of those things, but I know Batman was like awesome to me. And maybe it started when I was a kid because my parents bought me these little Converse. Did you know they make little Converse like this big? It's the cutest thing in the world. And so my parents bought me these Batman Converse. Whoa. I'm talking, I, not only did I wear these things to preschool and rock them in front of all my friends, but I wore them at home. I wore them playing in the backyard. I wore them to bed at night. I slept in my Batman Converse, right? Because they were the coolest things in the universe. And so my passion for Batman grew and grew and grew. I think for my 16th birthday, I actually got a big comforter set with like Batman sheets and a Batman. Co- and I, I was totally stoked on that. Some of you guys are like, ah, that explains you. Okay, now I get it. But I was totally pumped about it, right? And I wanted to get like a big Batman symbol tattooed on my chest. And so I am eternally grateful to my parents for not allowing me to do that but I wanted to do that. Like I was totally into this idea of Batman. I just thought it was so incredibly awesome. And I'm sure many of us have these different things, these different superheroes. We're all enamored with the idea of superheroes, right? Because they have these like superpowers and they're able to do things that other people can't do and they're bigger and they're better and they're faster and they're stronger and they know more and they can do more and they got the Batmobile and I want the Batmobile, right? And so we we feel these things and we get like kind of pumped up about it, right? We saw some of this stuff in in the movie, The Incredibles. In The Incredibles, they had the, the idea is it's this family of superheroes, right? And the dad is Mr. Incredible, and he's got this, like, great strength and durability. He's, like, you know, can do all kinds of massive and amazing things. And then you got the mom who was, in her younger years, Elastigirl, right? And she could, like, do this, like, flexibility and elasticity thing. The son's name was Dash, so you can guess what his superpower was. He was really, really slow, no, he was super fast and he was speedy and could do all, all kinds of things like that. And then he had a daughter named Violet who could do force field and invisibility and all these different superpowers that they could use to like save people and help people and be bigger and better and badder and greater and all these things and other people. And they had this friend named Frozone who was Samuel L. Jackson, which I just, I just, I love that character in the movie. I think it's so great. But he could like mold water and ice, kind of like Elsa, but not as cool as Elsa because Elsa could like sing and do this and whip her ponytail and... You know, Elsa's like up here, Frozone's here. But Frozone was still really cool and it was this really awesome thing. And so I was thinking, how am I gonna relate this superhero movie to Jesus and then relate that to us? 
And how can we kind of figure this out? And then it worked out so beautifully that the past three weeks, we've been in this series that we've called Extraordinary, right? And we've been looking at how God wants to use us to do the extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary, right? And so we've spent the past three weeks talking about this. We've talked in week one about Rahab, and then in week two, we talked about Esther, and then in week three, we talked about Ruth, and how God used all of these unlikely candidates, these absolutely ordinary people, to do extraordinary things in the story that God is telling through history. And so it kind of played out kind of cool that we're talking about this now today, because in essence, without, you know, again, getting too corny or cheesy, but Esther and Rahab and Ruth, they all served as sort of superheroes in their story, Right? They, they, were, they were the protagonist of the story. They were the ones that came through and did something that we could all look at and go, wow, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I could take the stand that they took. I wonder if I could take the risk that they took. I wonder if I could step up and be used by God like they stepped up and were used by God. Because often we see these things and we hear of these things and we wonder. We say, God, could I do that? Could that be me? Is that something that, could, could I take a stand like Ruth could I take a stand like Esther? Could I stand up to the king and put my life on the line for my people? Could, could I do that? Could that be me? You know, when we look at these superheroes and we look at them saving people and serving people and doing all this good, and we look at that, and innately inside, we kind of say, could that be me? Could I, I know we're talking about this extraordinary thing, and I know God used ordinary people in Bible times, but could he really use ordinary me to do something absolutely extraordinary in the world now, in the context that I live in now? Could, could that be me? And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to challenge us, but then I also want to encourage us that God wants that to be you. God desires that to be you and to be me. God has called us to that, and he has gifted us in that. He desires us and calls us to be extraordinary. God didn't create uh, Sam and say, Sam, I want you to be absolutely ordinary, Right? And I want you to live a mundane life and follow the, the, the cultural patterns and follow the social patterns and, and let someone else tell you how to do everything all day, every day, and just go, just exist until you come and, and spend eternity with me. That, that's what I want for Sam. And it's not the case for you either. God wants to use you in mighty and magnificent and extraordinary ways. And not only does he want to do that, but he's called us to do that. And not only has he called us to do that, he has gifted us to do that. He's given us the tools that we need to do that, to be extraordinary. He's without, again, getting too cheesy and cliche, but he has given us power through the Holy Spirit. He's empowered us to be extraordinary. He's empowered us, you know, superheroes are special because that element, they have that element that sets them apart, right? That makes them different. Well, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has given us this element that empowers us to set us apart, to make us different, to make us extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. And Jesus talks about this right before he ascends to heaven. One of the last things he's talking about, he's talking to his people in the book of John, and he talks about this, and he says, listen, guys, this is coming, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. He says in John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, but I tell you the truth. It is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So think about it. These people are sitting here and they're like, okay, Jesus is here. Emmanuel, God with us, right? 
God in the flesh, here hanging out with us, does not get better than that, right? I mean, how often do we think, man, if Jesus were just here, how much easier would it be? How much better would it be if it was, you know, hey, Jesus, um, what do you think I should do about this, sir? And you could like literally sit here and ask him that. That would be incredible, right? And Jesus is standing here, he says, listen, guys, I know this is cool that I'm here and that we're hanging out and all that, but check it out, something better's coming. Something even better is on its way. And so rather than it being God with us, Jesus, he says, listen, I gotta go away so the counselor can come, so the Holy Spirit can come, because when the Holy Spirit comes, it's not God with us, it becomes God in us. And that is so much better. That is so much more powerful. That's where it's at. And so before Jesus ascends to heaven, as he's wrapping up his ministry here on earth, he says, listen, the empowerment of the believer through the Holy Spirit is coming, and you need to be ready for this, because this is going to equip you to be extraordinary. This is going to equip you to do things that are way greater than what you've seen me do. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And he says, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And so then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, there's this dude, or verse 19, there's this dude named Paul who was a church planner back in the first century, right? First off, this guy started off as persecuting Christians. Found out about this Jesus movement, and he was like, yeah, right. He was like a really good Jew, and he was like, I'm going to kill all these guys. So he hunted them down and was like torturing them and killing them and all this stuff. So he was totally against the way of Jesus. And then, you know, an angel meets him on the road to Damascus, knocks him off his horse, knocks some sense into his head, says, listen, dude, no, you're batting for the wrong team here. You need to jump over to the Jesus team, right? And so he's like, okay, cool, I'll do it. And so he becomes this like church planner in the first century. And so Paul, what he does is he goes around, he plants all these churches, and then he writes them letters on this is how you're cool with God. This is how you do this thing called the way of Jesus. This is how you're good with Yahweh. This is how you're good with your relationship with God and your relationship with Jesus. This is how you do it, right? And so he writes all these letters, and that's what most of the New Testament is. And so part of the New Testament is this book, 1 Corinthians, which is a letter that he wrote to a church that was planted in Corinth. And so he writes them this letter, and he says this, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? He says, do you guys not know? Remember when Jesus was talking about the counselor coming and you know, God with us is saying something better is coming? He said, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? That God, when he, when he took Jesus and, and Jesus ascended, he sent you the Holy Spirit to be inside of you? That is God in you. Do you not realize that? He's saying, when you place your faith in Jesus and you get this relationship, the Holy Spirit inhabits you. And it is now God in us. And so now there's evidence that God is in us, though. It's not just like, like, it's not one of these things where it's like, okay, I became a Christ, Christ follower, and all of a sudden, I went from looking like Steve Buscemi to Brad Pitt. And that's the evidence that I now have God in my life. Right? I mean, that's not really the way it works. Or now I, ha- I was balding, and now, uh, you know, I'm not only uh, an advocate, but I'm also a member. Now I have, like, this thick, flowing hair, because now I trust Jesus, right? Or I was super chunky and flabby, and now I'm super ripped, because now I follow Jesus, you know? That's, that's not kind of the evidence how it works. We don't all of a sudden get a red cape and we're able to fly because Jesus now is in our heart, right? And, and we have this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna go jump off the church and see if I can fly. Like, that's not really the way it works. But the way that it does work is outlined in another letter that this dude Paul wrote to another church in Galatia. And he wrote in Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23, he said, but the fruit of the Spirit meaning the evidence that the Holy Spirit is inside of you, 
the empowerment that you have, the superpowers that you are given. He says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's your superpowers. That's what you got. That's what sets you apart from the norm. That's what empowers you to be extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And this is not one of those deals like, like Walmart's or Kroger's or Meyer's. Do you notice it doesn't say the fruit It says the fruit, the fruit of the spirit. It's one fruit with nine attributes, right? There's an apple tree. There's not a skin tree and a pulp tree and a core tree and a seed tree and a stem tree and you take a little bit of each one and make an apple. There's an apple tree and the apple has a stem, a core, some seeds, some pulp, all of that sort of stuff, right? To make the apple. It's the same thing. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life are all of these things. It's not like, okay, yeah, I'm like totally cool with the loved one because like I really love my boyfriend or girlfriend so I'm to- obviously I have that fruit of the spirit. But then when it comes to like the self-control and the patience thing, I'm good on all of that, but I'm gonna take this love. The joy, joy sounds cool. I saw the movie, you know, Inside Out. That joy character seemed pretty cool. I'm into it. I'll take joy. That's not, it's, it's, it's not a grab bag. It's not a pick and choose. It's not a, I'm gonna highlight this one and, and smoke out this one. Like that's not the way that it works. These are all the evidence of the Holy Spirit alive in us. These are all the evidence that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And so it's important for us to not treat it like it's a grab bag, but to realize that all of these are the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And if these are not alive in our lives and not evident in our lives, then we gotta begin to start questioning some stuff and say, am I really fostering a relationship with the Holy Spirit here? Because there's obvious evidence if I am These things are happening. These things are taking place, right? And so what I want to do is I want to break down these nine attributes for just a few minutes here. Um, We'll move real quick. But I want to break down these these nine attributes into three kind of subcategories because I feel like they break down in different ways and they serve different ways and they work in different ways to empower us to be extraordinary. And so the first three, I believe, are habits of the heart and the mind. The first three in the list are habits of the heart and the mind, and it's love, joy, joy and peace. You see, the Greek word that's used here for love is agape love, and it's used oftentimes in reference to when it's talking about the God and God, how God loves us and the love that he shows to us, and it's this unconditional love. It's this self-sacrificing love. It's this serving type of love, and so I feel like this is kind of the foundation for all the rest of these attributes is accepting the love of God and then reflecting the love of God this agape love. I believe that's the foundation for us to even kind of, it's like when you bite into an apple, you gotta get through the skin first. I believe like this love is kind of the first thing that we gotta wrap our heads around. And the first thing we have to wrap our hearts around is this agape love, this self-sacrificial love, this serving love that God gives to us. Not only do we have to embrace that to be in, have this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, not only do we have to embrace it, but we are called to reflect that as well. And when we're in step with the Holy Spirit, it's almost as if we're walking around like a mirror, holding a mirror, reflecting God's love. People should see it from a mile away. 
that we have the love of God, just not only have we accepted it and it's filled our cup to overflow, but then it's also overflowing into our lives. And the way that we interact with people, the way that we respond to people, the way that we're proactive to people, the way that we see a need and we meet that need, the way that we interact with people who are having a hard time and we actually take the time to talk to them. When we see a need, we don't wait for someone else to do it or someone else to tell us to do it, but we actually do it. This self-sacrificial serving love that God gives us, it's putting it into action and putting it into play. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do this on a supernatural level. The second one is joy. And joy is this like deep inner rejoicing, this like abiding inner rejoicing inside of us that supersedes any sort of circumstances. You guys know the people I'm talking about? You know the people I'm talking about that have joy, that have the fruit of the spirit of joy and you see the Holy Spirit all over it when they've had like the worst day ever and there's like mud all over their clothes because they had to stop and change a flat tire on the way to work when they were late and they got to work and they got a demotion and then they get done from that and they have the worst day ever and they forgot their lunch at home and they get to, and then they're like, oh, well, I gotta go sing on the praise team and then they show up to praise and worship practice and they're like, hey, how you doing? They're like, you know, I'm good. What? How are you good? You guys know the people I'm talking about? Leo's kind of like one of these people. Have any of you ever talked to Leo? Like he smiles so much it almost makes you sick. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, Leo, I hate you. He's like, thanks, Sam. Awesome, man. What? What are you talking about? You know what I mean? But Leo's one of these guys that's just got so much joy that you're just like, that it's contagious. You want to be around Leo. You're like, man, I'm having a bad day. Where's Leo? I need to talk to him about something, Right? Because he's got this deep inner rejoicing that supersedes circumstances, supersedes hard times or whatever, because you are resting in God and you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? And so it's this deep inner abiding rejoicing and then there's love, joy, there's peace. And this peace is like an inner quietness, you know? An inner quietness, a repose. It's, it's even in the face of adversity, you have this peace that defies human understanding. And you know the people like that too when you've seen them go through trials and tribulations and things that you can't imagine facing and they do it with such grace and such honor and such dignity. You say, how? How, how in the world is that even possible? Well, the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to be that. He wants to empower us to have this deep, inner, abiding quietness and rest. Resting in the sovereignty of God. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us to have love, to have joy, to have peace. And when we're led by the Holy Spirit, we can have a powerful heart and mind. We can have a powerful heart and mind full of love, joy, and peace. And it can, we can experience it beyond the norm. It can set us apart. It can enable us, empower us to be extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. So you got love, joy, and peace. And then the next three, I feel like, kind of helps us to reach out to others. This idea of patience, kindness, and goodness. It empowers us to reach out to others. This idea of patience is keeping our cool in trying circumstances. How many of us are awesome at that? I'm not. I'm gonna be a little transparent here. This is by far the hardest one for me. This idea of patience. And when things, like when things just begin to go wrong, my head like shoots straight to the rafters. And I'm like, ah! My wife has to be like, Sam? I'm like, ah! She's like, Sam! I'm like, ah! Smacks me, Sam! I'm like, oh, what? Yeah, huh? Oh, yeah, right. It's going to be okay. That's right. Okay. You know? I'm like DEFCON 7 hitting the, 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 you know, the red button that you're not supposed to put. I'm freaking out, right? 
I have a hard time with this idea of, of patience. I feel like many of us might as well, right? Many of us might be sitting through all, dang, I need some help with the love, joy, and peace part. I'm not even that patient yet, Sam, you know? But like this patience, it's a little hard for me, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit to calm our heart and to calm our mind and to calm our anxieties and to calm our emotions and then helping others and leading others through all that, right? For me, if you see me keeping my calm in a crazy situation, you can just know that the Holy Spirit's all over that, okay? Because <laughs> that is not my natural bend, you know? But, God, but that's what God wants. He wants us to have this empowerment to experience this patience. And then we have kindness, which is benevolence in action. This kind of actually doing something. Kindness is a hard thing to kind of put a label on. Oh, you're so kind. You know, that's like the word nice. It's like, how do you define nice? You know, that's, that's weird. But kindness is this idea of benevolence and action. It goes beyond thoughts, beyond words, beyond a Facebook message, beyond a Facebook post, but it's actual action. It's seeing a need and then filling the need, not waiting for someone else to do it. And the Holy Spirit wants to empower us to do this. The, the, the third one in this category is goodness. And I feel like goodness is kind of twofold. Goodness is kind of twofold here. There's clean character and then clean conscience, right? There's this uprightness of soul, but then there's actually doing good as well, right? And this clean character is this idea of who you are when no one else is looking. What you look at on your computer when no one else is in the room. What you look at on your phone when no one else is watching. The decisions you make when you're the only one at the cash register. You're the only one with a key to the safe. You're the only one that's there, right? It's the uprightness of soul. It's clean character, goodness. But then it's also twofold because it's clean conscience. It's the truth always, gossiping never. It's building up and encouraging and serving and helping. You guys know the kind of people I'm talking about? Oh, they're, just, they're just good people. You know what I'm talking about? You have those people in your life and you, you, it's, it's hard to quantify and put your finger on it, but you know, you're just like, that's just, that's a good guy. Someone who's like that in my life is this guy named Paul Nicosia. It's actually Anna's dad. Just a good guy. You talk to him, you're like, I just want to be better because he's so good. You know what I mean? Do you guys have people like that in your hearts or in your lives and your experiences? Some of you know, well, if not, you need to meet Anna's dad because he can be that guy for you too, I'm sure. But it's just, it's just being a good person. The Holy Spirit, when we're led by the Spirit, we can have an impact on others through our patience and our kindness and our goodness. And we can exemplify patience, kindness, and goodness that goes above and beyond the norm. That you're just like a walking evangelistic tool because the Holy Spirit is empowering you so much. People see you and they say, oh my gosh, look at the love, look at the joy coming from that person. Look at the patience. Look at the kindness. Look at, the, look at all this stuff that's coming from this person. And it goes beyond the norm and it stops people and they're like, whoa, what is, whoa, that's an extraordinary individual in the midst of the ordinary. You see, God wants to empower us in this way. The last three that I want to talk about kind of guide our conduct. And it's faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faithfulness is huge, especially with this, this latest generation of millennials and all this stuff. The faithfulness is huge. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, Jesus talks about how letting your yes be yes and your no's be no, and, and let, the, let your word be true. When you say you're going to do something, you do it. 
And when you say you're not going to do something, you don't do it. You know? This idea of faithfulness. I feel like many of us need the, the Holy Spirit to empower us in that. And it's not only that, it's being battle buddies with one another, being a faithful friend, being someone that's there for someone else. Even when the times are high and things are great, and even when the times are low and things are not. It's this faithfulness, this camaraderie, this faithfulness the Holy Spirit wants to empower us. And then there's gentleness, which is being considerate of others, especially when discipline's needed and there has to be confrontation. But it goes beyond handling things with childlike gloves, like, oh, I can't say anything mean because they might cry. Like, it's not that. It's being gentle with someone that is birthed out of this deep care and honor and respect for them and treating them with gentleness and being gentle in every situation and interaction. And the third one is self-control. This one's hard too, man. This idea of self-mastery, you know, because all of our culture and everything around us is saying, do whatever you want, do whatever you want, do whatever you want. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We gotta curb that fleshly desire, right? All those internal battles that are taking place, what this is, is it's yielding and allowing the spirit to win those battles. It's allowing the spirit to win the internal battles that are taking place inside of us. Do I want to buy this because everyone else is buying this? Or is this the right thing to do or is this not the right thing to do? Is this how God desires me to use my money? Is this how God desires me to use my time? Is this how God desires me to do this or do that? Just because everyone else is doing it and we're having these internal conversations and these internal dialogues and this self-mastery is the idea of allowing the spirit to win those discussions, allowing the spirit to win the battle that's raging inside of us at all times. Because see, when we're led by the Spirit, our conduct will speak volumes to those around us. People will see the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the, the gentleness, the self-control. They'll see all of these things and go, wow. And it'll set you above and beyond the norm. You know how I said superheroes, they have that something that sets them apart from everyone else? These are something that can set us apart from everyone else. And when they see that, they'll be blown away and say, what the heck is that? What is going on with you? What do you got going on that's making you respond this way or act this way or do the, your life this way or spend your money this way or spend your time this way or guide your conversation that way or handle these difficulties in this way? What is doing that? And it's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's the evidence of a relationship with God in our lives. Listen, you and I have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, God in us. Just let that sink in for a minute. We have God in us. That's huge. That is massive. We have the power to live above and beyond the social norms and the cultural norms and the political norms and all the norms of this world and this life because we have God in us. And so then we have to start asking ourselves these questions, right? We gotta ask ourselves, do you love like the spirit is leading you? Do you love like the spirit is leading you? Is it God in action in your life? Are you receiving and reflecting the agape love of God in your everyday life? Do you have joy like the Spirit is leading you? Or do you walk around with Eeyore syndrome? Oh, well, life sucks, I don't know. God's good though. What? Do you have the joy like the Spirit is leading you? This deep and inner abiding rejoicing. Ask yourselves the question, do you have peace 
like the Spirit is leading you that supersedes any and all circumstances. You're resting in the sovereignty of God. Do you have patience like the Spirit is leading you? Keeping your cool, having a kind heart and a kind mind and, and keeping your emotions in check. Do you have patience like the Spirit is leading you? Are you kind like the Spirit is leading you? Are you living benevolence in action? Or is it more about you than it is others? Really? I mean, do a personal inventory. Ask yourself these questions. Do you exemplify goodness like the Spirit is leading you? Clean character, clean conduct. Who are you when no one else is looking? Are you exemplifying goodness like the Spirit is leading you? Are you exemplifying faithfulness like the Spirit is leading you? Are you trustworthy? Are you reliable? When you say you're gonna be there, are you there? Are you gentle like the Spirit is leading you? Considerate of others, but it's birthed out of this care and this honor and this respect. Do you exemplify self-control like the Spirit is leading you? Allowing the Spirit to win the internal battles and discussions that are taking place in your heart and in your mind. And if the answers for these questions for you is more often no than it is yes, then it begs the question, are you being led by the Spirit? Are you allowing the Spirit to lead your life? Are you activating this, this power that God has given us? Are you living the extraordinary life that God has called you to, or are you settling for the ordinary and settling for the mundane? Because see, a relationship with God is not, it's not a decision that you made once in a church or at summer camp, or with your youth pastor, or whatever the case may be. It wasn't an experience. It wasn't a one-time thing. It's not a one-time conversation. Oh yeah, I talked to them once. It's a continuing conversation. It's a relationship that has to be developed and has to be cultivated. And so you need to ask yourself, if these things are not evident in my life, I'm not saying you're gonna die and rot in hell for eternity. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if these things are not evident in your life, are you cultivating a relationship with God? Are you consistently, consistently cultivating a relationship with God? Are you spending time in prayer, talking to God? Are you spending time in the scriptures, allowing his word to speak to you? Are you spending time worshiping and praise and adoration and fellowship with God? Are you spending time with your brothers and sisters working out this relationship in community together and allowing them to speak life into your relationship with God as you speak life into their relationship with God? It begs the question, if these things are not evident in us, then maybe we need to step up our game. Maybe we need to cultivate a relationship with God. But here's the deal. Before I get all high and mighty on my high horse, listen, you can't be 100% of these things 100% of the time, okay? So don't sit here and leave, Sam, I thought you said you were gonna encourage this this morning. All I feel is defeated. Listen, you can't be 100% of these things 100% of the time. That's where God's grace comes into play. Okay, but don't get it twisted because here's the deal. Grace is not a license to be a terrible person. Oh, God's grace covers that, hallelujah. Okay, grace is not licensed to be a terrible person. Grace is liberty to not feel defeated when we fall short. There's a huge difference there, okay? Grace is not licensed to be a jerk. Grace is not licensed to be a turd, okay? Grace is not licensed to be a terrible person. What grace does is it gives us the liberty to not feel defeated when we fall short. 
when my head shoots to the rafters and I don't exhibit patience, I don't fall into Eeyore syndrome and think, I'm the worst person ever, God doesn't love me. No, that's not the way, I can't be 100% of these things 100% of the time. But on the flip side of the coin, if you are less than 50% of these things, less than 50% of the time, you need to step up your game. That's on you, right? And so many of us this morning, we may need to do this sort of Holy Spirit inventory on ourselves because God has called each and every one of us to live extraordinary in the ordinary. And he's given us and he's gifted us with this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he's given us these things and he says, go, do it. This is all you. You're gonna be great. You're gonna be magnificent. You're gonna be extraordinary. Make it happen. And so many of us, we just need to embrace that and step up to our game and do it. Because we have the power to be an Esther, to be a Ruth, to be a Rahab, to be a Mr. Incredible in someone's life because of the tools and gifts that God has given us. A new saying that I kind of want to encompass here at our church, in our faith community, we've been saying it as a leadership team, we saw it on some leadership DVD or something, I don't even know who said it, but it was incredible. And it's this idea that following Jesus makes life better, but it also makes us better at life. Does that make sense? A relationship with God makes life better, but it also makes us better at life. Empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it makes life better, but it also makes us better at life. And so when someone says, why do you go to church? Because it makes life better and it makes me better at life. God wants us to be better at life. He wants us to be extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. And he's empowered us through the gifts of the Spirit, through the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so I want to challenge and encourage all of you to embrace the fruit of the Spirit. I want to challenge and encourage all of you to wrestle with the fruit of the Spirit. I want to challenge and encourage you to all go home and read Galatians chapter 5 and figure this thing out for yourself and say, listen, this needs to be me because I want to be extraordinary and God has given me the gifts to be extraordinary. I want to step it up because having these gifts, it makes my life better and it makes me better at life. All of us, God has called all of us to do this and God has gifted all of us to do this. So let's do it. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that as we leave this morning, as we kind of wrestle with these thoughts and these ideas, I pray that you would bring individual circumstances, individual people that you have called us to minister to, that you have called us to bring this love, this joy, this peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to exhibit this to our sphere of influence. I pray that your Holy Spirit would challenge us and would encourage us to step up our game to cultivate a relationship with you because not only does it make our life better, but it makes us better at life. God, I'm excited to be part of this faith community. I'm excited to be involved in the house churches that I'm involved. I'm excited that, that I have the, the freedom and the liberty to share life with this amazing group of people, to serve with this amazing group of people, to love with this amazing group of people. And God, I would pray that we would leave this morning encouraged and excited to exhibit your fruit of the Spirit to the world around us. 
We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said?